You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back, Arizona homeowners, and walk with me as we get ready to get our hands in the soil. It's Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition for 30 years. It's the 8 o'clock hour, so we are talking about anything and everything you plant in your ground. Gardens, trees, shrubs, lawns. Maybe you're not planting it. Maybe you're doing hardscapes, zeroscaping. Whatever it is, it's the Outdoor Living Hour. We have Jay Harper of the Farmer's Choice, the three generations of gardening, fourth generation Arizona. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> and we've got you in a new seat, so you actually have two microphones, the far left one and then move that button to the red line. You can tell we, uh, we we're just admitting to the whole listening audience we didn't do a mic I check this morning. I saw the red morning. line over there. I thought, okay, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Got to be smarter than what you're working. Don't take anything for granted. <laughs> If you have a question about your landscape or garden, one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. You can text questions to 411-923, or you can uh, email info at rosieonthehouse.com if you have a, uh, a plant or insect identification. You know, just pull out your phone, hit your picture button. Please send pictures. Send. Uh, yeah, we get call. You know, we do get even folks that text or email um, with questions that just can't be answered without seeing <laughs> a vision. And if you're going to the all the trouble to send an email, please send some pictures. It uh, it really will help. Um, and uh, they send those over to me, and I answer them. We get back to them right away, and. And uh, if we've got, and a lot of times I have to ask a question back if I don't have a picture. So we'll get you the answer a lot quicker that way. What are we, what is today? March 17th? St. Patrick's Day. Oh, and that's, and you've got your green farm uh, choice hat on. Look at me. Farm I'm choices. in all blue. <laughs> well, you know, there you go. <laughs> you better walk fast through a crowd out there today. You could have people pinching you. I was thinking about this yesterday driving home when I heard somebody talking about St. Patrick's Day this weekend. Like, you know, I don't ever recall having a broadcast on St. Patrick's Day. Mm. I'd have to look and see when the last time it fell on a Saturday. I'm sure it did, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it it's uh yeah, it's kind of a fun day, you know. Probably be a lot of green beer consumed today and well, and how many things in our garden are green? We could have we could have played it, off of that all day. <laughs> it's a great garden, you know. I mean, it falls right smack dab in the middle of March, which is our you know probably our biggest gardening month of the year, at least in this part of the state of Arizona. So it's uh, it's pretty pretty famous day from that standpoint. Lots to be doing in the garden. Um, lots stuff starting to really look good. It's put on new growth. Citrus is starting to bloom. Roses are are blooming by now if you've pruned them back in early January. Uh, so, you know, veggie garden, we're right in the throes of getting, uh, you know, all the warm season stuff switched over. So your, you know, your things like cabbage and cauliflower and broccoli are kind of winding down. And as they do, you're replacing them with tomatoes and peppers and squash and cucumbers and eggplant and those, those types of uh, warm season veggies. So big time, make sure you're feeding, uh, everything good. You should have, you should have, if not fed citrus and shade trees by now, do it. If you haven't, um, 
your frost sensitive things, your tropical things like hibiscus and bougainvilleas and lantanas, uh, you can be feeding those. Uh, it's safe to prune any of those back severely now if you'd like to. Uh, you know, we we are well past our normal average last frost date, uh, at least in Maricopa County. Uh, it doesn't mean we couldn't have a little sneaky thing come in here. And this the way this year is going, who knows? It's weird, but... Um, usually mid-March is very safe to prune those items back. So, And they were calling for rain, which looking out the window does not look like it's going to happen today. It's to be today. the night and early tomorrow morning. Now, that so was the last forecast. I if saw. you're doing granule fertilizer or pre-emergent ahead of the rain, is it saves you all that time for having to go back and water it in by hand. Absolutely, and it has to be watered in to be activated. So um, good good timing to do that, and I think there's forecast for rain again towards the latter part of next week um, so be a good time period and this is the perfect time to get pre-emergent herbicides down at least to prevent the the warm season weeds especially spurge which already i saw some spurge growing in the cracks in the sidewalks the other day so that rascal's already rearing its ugly head out there and it's nasty and it has lots of seeds and it reproduces very easily and quickly Pre-emergent is the best way to control that, and this is the best time to get it on and apply it to prevent spurge. Now, I've noticed some areas of our property where we are getting weeds. I know that there's still more to come with the next one, but is there a pre-emergent that would have a weed killer base I could like a uh, combination? Do a two, one, one? There are. Um, uh, there's some different companies that make combination sprays. You can make your own. Um, Roundup and Surfland are, are very compatible together in a liquid. You can spray together. Uh, or, like I said, you can buy a, a couple of different products that have combined those uh, already that are ready to spray. And uh, that's not a bad way to do it. Now, remember, though, you're only applying the pre-emergent to that one little lo- lo- localized area that you're spraying that weed. And the benefit of pre-emergent really is to cover the entire area that you don't want weeds to come up. So that is, and of course, if you're <clears throat> doing it in turf areas, you certainly don't want to be spraying <laughs> Roundup round on your grass. Or, or <laughs> some weed killers on some of your lawn areas. So I really am not a huge fan of combo things, weed and feed, two different kinds of weed killers, you know, those types of things. You get a much better value if you buy a straight fertilizer or a straight pre-emergent, pre-emergent or a straight herbicide, um, your active ingredients are better, your coverage rates are better. It's just, it's just really a better way to go. Does it cost more time? A little bit. You have to go back over it a couple times. But it's, it's really way more cost-effective and more effective, period, because your, your dilution rates, your strength of... Uh, product in those the active ingredients is just much better we have calls lined up what do you say we knock a few of them out absolutely we'll start with jason at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight that's one triple eight rosie for you and don't you know he wants to talk weeds welcome to the program hey thanks for having me how can we help yeah i i've got a a lawn down here in, in Santan Valley, and it, it, it's really came in really good this year with the winter rye. Um, but in the last month or so, it, it's two good sections that have really had an issue with the broadleaf coming in. 
and uh, it just seems like every time I mow it, it spreads a little more. It spreads that seed. It's, it's still a good-looking lawn, so I don't want to put something down that's going to yellow it or anything like that. So looking for that. And then also while listening to you guys, I thought I heard you guys say it's okay to prune back my owner's tree. I just want to make sure I heard that right as well. Okay, well, let's let's start with your last question first, pruning the orange tree. No, we didn't say that. <laughs> we said fertilizing if you haven't fertilized them already. Citrus is starting to bloom. I'd be very careful pruning now. Uh, you don't want to prune all the buds yeah, you off. Don't prune all your blooming wood off. So I would probably wait until the blooms have set uh, and you have some small fruit on there to do any pruning. And we really don't recommend you do very much pruning on citrus, if at all anyway, just a shaping. Remember, citrus really are a shrub or a bush. They're not a, a conventional tree. We don't want to open them up, thin them out, expose limbs or trunk to, to sunlight. Uh, so be very, very careful pruning your citrus or doing very much pruning at all on citrus. You know, you can shape them. You can, if they're getting a little low to the ground, you need to walk under them. Uh, you know, you got a limb that's hanging over a sidewalk, things like that. You want to keep them kind of symmetrical looking. That's all fine, but uh, don't do much, if anything, more than that. And I certainly would wait now until, you know, all the blooms have set uh, if you're going to prune it all. So, um, and then as far as the broadleaf weeds in your winter lawn, there are a number of different good herbicides that if applied correctly at the proper dilution rate, you shouldn't have any problem. And I would just spot treat them if you're, if you're concerned about any burning or yellowing on the lawn, just make sure you're only applying it to those areas where you do have you do have weeds. And remember that <clears throat> even if you're planting a winter lawn, you can use a pre-emergent. Just have to wait in later in the fall to put it on after your winter lawn or cool season grass has come up and been mowed a couple of times. Uh, but I certainly would recommend making sure that you uh, you control your weeds before they go to flower and seed. Uh, whether they're in a lawn or in a gravel area, um, weeds, grasses, any of those things are much easier to, to kill or control when they're young and tender and growing fast before they get old and harden off, and especially before they go to seed. So you just have a regeneration of the, of the crop the next go-around, the next season, the next rainfall, whatever it is. We appreciate the call, Jason, and good luck with your weed control. That is... An aggravating thing, have a nice winter rye lawn. I say winter rye. <laughs> to, to Arizona, that's yes. a winter lawn. Right. <laughs> and, and be weed infested. But that does open up a line. That is our only open line. Is Mike's online wants to talk about planting new grass. Chris wants to talk about peaches. And we're still in the screening process of two more calls. Nope. 520 number. Just grab line number one. So uh, if you... <clears throat> Save that number into your phone, one 767 4348 And as we clear a line, that'll be your best opportunity to get online. And again, you can always text to 411-923. That platform does not allow for images. If you have images, uh. you email those to info at rosieonthehouse.com. And we can look at them on this screen. So we got this screen for email, this screen for phone calls, and this screen for texts, which... Uh, we got a 623. My citrus have blooms. When do I fertilize them? I think we had Hurry. mentioned. <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> but don't over A month ago. <laughs> but be careful. But, yes, go ahead and feed them. So you can. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, 
uh, fertilizer for citrus? Of course I do. <laughs> the farm choice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which you could get all over. And you know, we were walking our orchard last night, Amanda and I, and I said, babe, look, we've got this orange tree here and all these little tiny white buds, and it's, it's only about this high. Mm-hmm. It's about four years old. And then back here, we've got one that's about six years old, and it's about head height. I'm like, look, we've got all these blooms here and none here. And we started looking at it. She's like, look, something's eating this tree. So on my way home today, I was out of I was out of Captain Jack. So I'm going to stop at Summer Winds on Bell and 59th Avenue and load up on Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew, all organic. You can spray it right on your fruits, vegetables, citrus, up to the day you even harvest. It's that natural and organic. I'm going to soak the, that tree in Captain Jack's and smother whatever's eating my citrus so I can eat my citrus. That's Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. The active ingredient in Captain Jack's is something called spinosad, and I've brought Keith from Treeland Nurseries in to talk about it. What makes spinosad so special and product that we can use for organics? Well, Romy, uh, Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew by Bonite is not only a cool name for a cool pesticide, it really works well. We highly recommend it. It's approved for organic gardening. It works across all your your fruit-bearing trees, your garden. The product Spinosad comes from a fermented soil bacteria, which they found in rum barrels, which is pretty neat. The pirates had no idea how much they were helping us out with their their old rum running. Little do they know, <laughs> hundreds of years later, here we are. are. Are there any pirates out there looking for royalties on this? <laughs> <laughs> thing about Captain Jack's is it can be used up to the day of harvest on your vegetable gardens. But it works on boars, beetles, caterpillars, anything that's going to bother your citrus. It's safe, people safe, pet safe, and kids safe. Bonite products are family made and American. You can find them here in Phoenix at Summer Winds Nursery in Glendale on Bell Road. If I wanted to grow a shamrock in Arizona, could I do that? High high mountains, maybe. Well, you can you can grow them as a, a potted plant. Okay. Uh, here in the in the low desert, or in full shade. Um, actually, makes a pretty good ground cover uh, if it's in you know a completely shaded area. But a lot of people will grow them as a as an indoor plant in a pot as a potted like house plant. Hmm? Yeah. I didn't know that. There you go. What do you ask for at the nursery? A shamrock? <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's probably going to be some type of oxalis, which is a tuberous or a bulb. Okay. Uh, that's how it started. Um, you'd want to buy them already started now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they should have them as that. Let's get to Chris next on the line. Wants to talk peaches. Let me introduce you to Mr. Jay Harper of the Farm's Choice. Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I've got six bonanza dwarf peach trees that have been in the ground since 2010. Average production is between four and 600 pounds a year the last several years. But this year I've only got about five blooms on all six trees. Is that from the chill hours? Very. My wife thinks, is that from me spraying the (laughs) fence behind it and getting the spray overspray on the tree? (laughs) Or are they just getting to the age where they're dying out at eight years in the ground? Now, I don't think eight years in the ground. Now, if they were 12 to 15 years in the ground, I'd say they're going to start perhaps going downhill. It very likely could be. I mean, I don't know how, how many chill hours we had this year, but it wasn't very many. And Bonanza is kind of a medium. It's not real, real low. It certainly is low enough that on most normal years we get 
good crops. But I would suspect there's going to be some issues with some of our stone fruit uh, production uh, this this spring and summer because of our very warm winter. We did have one of those, and our peach trees are, have haven't even started budding out yet. <laughs> no, I know, yeah, and and it might just be that it's it's a little early to be worried about it. Um, I, my neighbor has a bonanza peach in the front yard, right by where I park, on the side of his front yard, and it hasn't it hasn't popped yet. So I wouldn't be too too concerned as of right now. But certain varieties, it's it's probably going to be an issue, and a good heavy produce of that several hundred pounds make sure you're applying your fertilizer it's that takes a lot of energy to create absolutely and uh, along with citrus stone fruits or summer fruits should be being fertilized if they haven't already absolutely and of course the farm's choice is my favorite (laughs) (laughs) he's in a 623 number does uh elgin nursery they do still supply absolutely farm's choice yep good place to go for it all right let's get to robert Next on the line with the mesquite tree, and it opens up a line at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie, for you, go ahead, Robert. Yes, uh, I planted a, a fully mature mesquite on a tenant-occupied piece of property about three years ago. Um, I don't think it's Chilean mesquite. I, I think the the nursery said it was an American mesquite, but anyway, whatever it is. Um, I don't think the tenant is watering it enough. Now it's shedding its um, bark. And um, I told the tenant, I think it's on its last legs. And he said, well, he's got an arborist who, who's um, said it's okay. Well, when the bark starts to come off, isn't that, aren't we in trouble? Well, not necessarily. Mesquites do, especially as they get old and mature, have kind of a, a little bit of a peeling bark to them, so it, it's not too big of a deal. Is there any sap or anything oozing out of the bark? Is no, it just bark it, no, that's peeling off? No, it's, it's, it seems dry. It just, okay. it just seems like the whole bark is coming off at a point on, on the trunk. Yeah. Well, I don't. That that may or may not be a problem. It isn't necessarily a problem with certain trees that get these big sclerified tissued barks, where we get some shaggy kind of peeling stuff coming off. It's not that uncommon, and mesquites are not going to look their best this time of year anyway. With you know with cooler weather, it's not uncommon for them to lose a lot of leaves, if not most all of their leaves, through the winter months. And as soon as we start to warm up, in fact. The old timers will tell you when the mesquites start to leaf out and blossom uh, that you know winter is officially over. So they're they're they like the warm weather. They won't grow much until it gets warm. So I wouldn't be too concerned. You know they do need some water to look good. Uh, they don't need much through the winter months though at all. So I don't think it's a big deal yet. We appreciate the call and good luck with that mesquite tree and having your tenant. And you guys come to agreement on how to best <laughs> best grow and and harvest that. It, I was in uh, Prescott yesterday, and it's still a lot of things haven't even started to bloom up there yet. Which is probably good because they're a long still, way from being done with potential. Uh, cold. In fact, this next storm that's coming tonight is supposed to snow down pretty low. So when I left and came down 89A, I did the real windy way to Wilhoyt. Uh huh. 
and there was still the north side of the mountain range of the Bradshaws was still dusted and snow on the top. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're you know at that elevation, they're they're a long ways from winter being over yet. You're still in the uh, uh, your outdoor activities is still chopping. Well, they're pruning and, and mulching and, you know, starting to fertilize. And there's some things they can be doing, but you probably don't want to be uh, hoping your fruit trees are blossoming out yet. But they should have a good chill hour for their their harvest. Yeah, I would think so. one 888 That's one 888 for you. On a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. Bringing Chad into the conversation here at Rosie on the House. You can get online at one 767 Yes, Chad, we're doing great. How can we help you? Yeah, quick question. Um, I have a irrigated lot, flood irrigation, and put in rye last year. And uh, when the Bermuda started coming up, I had a lot of bare spots that get full sunlight. And I'm worried it's going to do the same thing this year. And I had a hard time growing new Bermuda seed in those bare spots. Um, and I'm wondering what I can do different this year if that same problem persists. And they and they get full sun? Yeah, full sun. Um, you know, in the in the summer before that, I had good Bermuda grass growing in there. I don't know if the if the rye did something when well. it was bur- burning off towards the end of the, the spring last year. First thing we want to do is make sure we do, as you termed it, burn off the ryegrass as early as, as possible. We want to what we call transition, um, enforce the transition. If we wait until the ryegrass wants to die on its own, seems like it's anymore, too late. Way too late. Um, and then that does that just kills the, the Bermuda. It just can't stay dormant that long. It, it can only store up enough energy to survive for so long uh, in a dominated, dominated or dormant state. Uh, and then when the ryegrass does finally crap out, it's it's gone. It has no uh, stored up carbohydrates, no root system, nothing left to regenerate growth. So what I would do is usually, uh, oh, here pretty quick, probably like April 1st, mid, sometime between the 1st and the 15th of April, start mowing that lawn shorter a little bit each week maybe lower that down and then kind of get to where maybe by about the oh between the 15th and the first of may you've you've pretty much almost scalped that ryegrass don't increase the watering maybe even turn the water down or if you want to really force it turn it off for a week or two and just get that to where it looks burnt up you know, it's going to look like you've scalped your Bermuda lawn back in October looked. So you get a, get a good brown, dead-looking turf, scalp it good, get that ryegrass, even thatch it if you want. Get that ryegrass out of the way. Get that thatch out of there so the sun can get down to those roots and get that Bermuda going. Then the, the spots you know that are bare, um, and you know you're going to— Now, do you have a common Bermuda sea, uh, lawn? Did— that you would be seeding, or was this a hybrid that was sodded? No, it's it's a common Bermuda. Okay, 
So you 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 know you you want to wait till the nighttime temperatures are you know mid sixty ish, uh, which is usually okay. sometime in May, um, early to mid May. That's when your Bermuda seed will germinate, um, and you'll have to maybe go in those bare spots that are bare dirt, you know, and rake them with a stiff rake, loosen that you know top half inch or so of soil up, you know, throw the seed on there, and then cover the seed with a with a good composted material. Um, okay. To keep those air, to keep it moist, keep the birds from getting it, that sort of thing. You could even cover the whole lawn in, in a you know, in a good layer of, uh, you know, compost. Uh, you know, we Farms Choice would make a great one. It's re, you know, it helps fertilize that lawn a little bit. It would help cover that so seed areas would help the areas that are just coming out of dormancy really good. Uh, and then you'll have to keep it pretty wet. Um, Okay. You know, if you can hand water those areas and not overwater the rest of the lawn or just water everything, but a couple, three, four times a day, just like you did when you're getting your ryegrass to come up to get that Bermuda to come up, should okay. take care of it. Um, and then from that now going forward, you just want to make sure we get those, and we'll talk more about that next month, especially, is start transitioning that ryegrass out. Get it, get rid of it. Uh, it's okay. going to do it anyway. We, it's better to do it under, you know, kind of under control than to let it do it on its own haphazardly and then end up with, you know, about usually about mid-July or early August before people figure out that, oh, man, that, that this wasn't all Bermuda. I still had some rye in there. Well, we hope that helps with your grass, Chris. Good luck. It's that You said the same thing I thought. is It, it does get full sunlight, right? Because a lot of times those irrigated yards have beautiful, huge shade trees that Bermuda just does not do great under. Right. And then we want to, you know, in those cases where we've got a lot of shade, you might not want to transition. <laughs> just you might keep want to keep rye. that ryegrass going as long as you can because once it's gone, you're just not going to get anything else really to grow under there. And you really... I've seen it under those shade trees where it's cared for and fertilized enough that I mean, you get almost 10 months coverage. So you only have, you know, a short 8, 12-week window that you're without a lawn. Yeah, August and September, basically. Uh, when one, you thing don't... You can't, one thing you can do, if, if, if you really are, you just don't like the look of the bare dirt, which I understand, you know, you can uh, seed some fescue in those areas, um, which will tolerate the shade. It'll tolerate more heat than ryegrass will. Uh, so in the shady areas, it does a pretty good job of going through the summer. But you can't wait till July or August to do that. You've got to seed that, you know, in April or May. Um, so make that decision. You still So you still want to transition it, but you're going to want to put some fescue seed in those shady areas so that you have something green there the rest of the summer. Burn through a couple text questions here that have come in. Uh, I first read this and thought it was something for the home improvement hour because they want to know what to do with bamboo. Do we have bamboo? We have lots of bamboo that will grow here. Okay. Um, you know, it takes it takes a fair amount of water, uh, but it loves the heat. And uh, the one thing you probably want to watch with bamboos there are a couple of different categories. There's runners, so they spread by sending shoots or rhizomes underneath the soil level and they'll pop up and come up and those can be a little hard to control they can they almost do too well so if you want to you know plant them in an area where you don't want you know it to invade or encroach into other areas very easily um, make sure you plant what's called a clumping 
variety. So when you go to look for bamboos, and bamboos can be a little hard to find sometimes. You know, the, there's not a great availability of them. They just, for whatever reason, but they do very well here. A number of varieties do very well here. Find a clumping variety most likely, unless you want it to cover a long area and make a, you know, a hedge or something along a fence or a screening, then a, then a running variety might be okay for you. But uh, typically, if you're just wanting a, a section or one area of bamboo, you want to probably plant a clumping variety. There's a lot of information that you can get if you pay attention to the numbers. So this next text question says, half of my lemon tree has oranges. What's that all about? And so you're wondering, okay, is, is, is this, it's got, it comes from a number that's uh, 248 area code, which I just looked up, which is Oakland, California. So do we have a recent California transplant who uh, has moved to this property and it's either a cocktail or they've got the sucker coming up, right? Yeah, so one way to find out would be to actually peel one of the oranges and eat it. <laughs> if it's sour, um, then it's what we have is a rootstock that's suckered up and is, is growing. And uh, you need you need to find where that, follow it back all the way to where it attaches or comes off of the main trunk of the lemon tree and remove it. Um, in some cases, they it may be most of the tree. If it's gone a long time, um, you know, then you're going to, you know, you can run into some other tree. If you take that much off, you know, will it that much exposure now damage the remaining part of the lemon tree? It's possible, but uh, it could be that it's a cocktail tree, and it's a it's a it's a good variety, a sweet orange of some kind. That's Wait. entirely possible. My guess is it's the it's the first situation that we talked about that it's more than likely a the sour rootstock rootstock that's that's gotten ahead of somebody they didn't prune it out and now it's up in the tree and you have you know a sour orange tree now the other thing is just leave it use it like a lemon i mean you anything you can do with a lemon you can do with sour orange mm. so you can make a pie you can use it as a juice you know any any anything that's tart it, they're virtually identical uh, a lot of uh uh, Persian people of Persian descent will use sour, prefer sour orange to lemon in things like salad dressings and things like that. So it, it's not that it's completely wasted. It's just that you're going to have to use it differently. And if you want a true orange, then maybe now's a great time to plant. Absolutely. Get your local nursery, find a good hardy uh, local navel orange. Yeah, Arizona Sweet, a Valencia. You know, there's a bunch of good varieties um, of oranges that. That and you're right. This is a great time to plant citrus. Now, in that case where it was the rootstock, could it ever be that the rootstock branches trunk is so big that? Oh, it could be it bigger. It would than damage the the, yeah. the tree if you cut it off. Yeah, is abso it gonna... absolutely. Yeah, it could be bigger than the than the lemon part. And so, it, to not hurt the lemon part, would you just do portions now? Uh, wait a couple weeks, cut it again. Wait a couple weeks, cut it again. So all that photosynthesis from the leaves doesn't. Yeah, or, get... or I would just kind of try and control it and leave it in there and just, just, not let any more of it develop. Prune it to shape so it just looks like it's part of the 
lemon tree in shape and size and just live with it. Jared in Glendale thinks he may have over-fertilized the citrus tree because two days after applying the granular, he says all the leaves and buds are falling off. Have I killed it? It certainly sounds like you overfed it. That's classic symptoms. Um, whether you killed it or not is a whole other issue. A lot of times all you did was superficially damage um, the leaves. Of course, knocking the buds off is a bad thing. You're not going to get another flush of of bloom, so you may have lost your crop of fruit for the year. But check the check the small branches, the, the limbs that you know. Make sure if those are all still green, um, you know you'll, it'll just regenerate new growth. Um, if you start to get browning and dead limbs and you know small branches, then you got a problem. Well, good luck, Jared. That's. Uh... That's a bummer. Probably want to give it a really good watering. Try and dilute leach and some leach of it out, out as much of that. Just do it once. Don't do it over and over and over again and overwater the tree, but give it a really good soaking. You know, for a number of hours, a slow, deep soak. Try and get that, walk, you know, diluted down in, leached out as best you can. It is a deflating feeling walking out there and seeing all your buds gone. And you've, you know, now you We've got one of our orange trees that something has just eaten every single bloom off of it. The one to the left, the one to the right, they're both full. But you look at this one tree and dive into it, and you can see that every spot that bud's coming out, something's eating it. And you know, you've waited all year, and you're just like, ah, we're going we're gonna to miss all the production from this tree. But you know, another year's going to come quick. <laughs> they, they just keep coming quicker every yeah. every year that passes. The next one comes quicker, so it'll. <laughs> we well, got it'll more rebound. than one. That's a good thing. <laughs> yes, yeah, we've we've got a nice little. We had started it as a shade uh, screen was the the original plan, but uh, you know you, you catch that planting fever. And now we've got three rows. <laughs> we've mm-hmm. got one evergreen with all citrus for the true shade, and then behind it we've got a row of peaches, and then behind that we got a row of apples. So we've got. A nice variety, and we had talked earlier about you know, needing Captain Jacks to control the insects. Well, we've also got something else in our arsenal because insects aren't the only thing that we fight. We got a ton of rabbits that we fight, and they love to chew everything. Well, when we want them to go away, that's exactly what we put down: go away by Bonide, family made in America, and can be applied straight to flowers, vegetable gardens, shrubs, trees. It'll keep the animals away and last up to 45 days in a liquid application. You can find Bonite all over the state, including Mesquite Valley growers in Tucson. If you're dealing with these in the, with deer, particularly up in the White Mountains, you can get over to Christopher's in Lakeside. Or if you're in the uh, Prescott Mountain area, you can find it at Waters Garden Center. That's Bonite. Go away. If you're tired of dealing with rabbits or deer and you just want them to go away, remember that when you're shopping for a solution. Go away. Was Glenn Fry Irish or something? He is today. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I really enjoy going to Winslow and stand on that corner. I know it's it's just a cool feeling. (laughs) Well, other than uh, going to Winslow today, Jay, what do you have coming up? 
Uh, this is a, this is plenty of notice, um, and of course, this day you shouldn't forget, April fifteenth, mm-hmm. which I guess this year you have till the seventeenth to do your taxes. Oh, but uh, since the fifteenth must be a Saturday, um, the uh, Mesa East Valley Rose Society, which hasn't had a rose tour in a few years, is uh, is having one again. So if you're really into roses or want to be, this is a great opportunity to go see four different g- gardens. Um, people that have succeeded. I've seen one of these, and it's pretty spectacular. Uh, talk to the experts, see how they do it, pick their brains, and, and or just enjoy it. It'll be this kind of the peak of the spring rose time of year as far as blooming, so it's a great time to see them. So the 15th of April, 1 to 5, I think there's four, yeah, four different gardens to tour. It's $5 for adults. Children are free. You can get the uh, details and buy the tickets, I assume, on the Mesa East Valley Rose Society website. If you just do a Google search for Mesa East Valley or East Valley Rose Society or Rose Society in Mesa, that should you'll come You'll find up. it. Yep, you'll find it. So pretty, pretty. Uh, if you're looking for something to do inexpensively, five bucks for adults on a Saturday afternoon in mid-April, there you go. You know what I have found has been, uh, what else loves roses or chickens landry my four-year-old she's not tall enough to open the latch on the chain link fence but you know when you've got a double chain link fence and you've always got one side that has the rod stuck into the ground Mm -hmm. that you know she's figured out how to lift that rod and push the whole gate together to go check for chicken eggs okay well she hasn't quite figured out closing that so a lot of times we'll have chickens out in the yard and we have this one potted rose and I mean, it's like it's if they get any chance to get out of that gate, that's it. The first place they're going, they're eating all the rosebuds off of oh, the this buds. little potted yeah, plant yeah, I absolutely. got for Amanda yep. a couple of years ago. Yep. <laughs> they, yeah, they'll do a number on that. Well, watch your chickens around your, your rose blooms. Deer love them. Any, I think all animals like the tender shoots off of rose bushes. It's one of their favorite things. <laughs> Go away doesn't help with that. <laughs> uh, no. that, that, that. Those chickens don't care. <laughs> what else for any kind of variety they can get? Yeah, yeah. What, what else do we have wrapping up the garden hour? We've well, of course, planting season. Yeah, we're right in the throes of you know warm season vegetable plantings. To you know, so our cool season. Remember our, our things we eat the leaf or stem or root of. Our warm season vegetables are things we think of as traditional fruits or vegetables so you pick actually pick a fruit off so tomatoes peppers eggplant okra uh, squash cucumbers melons all of that season is is right upon us so you should be fast in fact you know I, hopefully you've got your tomatoes in by now but if not get it done um, so we're right in the middle of, of warm season vegetable planting here in this in the low deserts we talked about the mountain communities probably still way too early for that. You can still be planting cool season uh, things like you know chard and lettuce and spinach and those types of vegetables in uh, in those areas. Um, roses be be feeding. They're they're growing now. They're starting to bloom. They need to be fed once a month. Um, you know, start you know taking off the blooms as they occur and taking them inside. Uh, if if you haven't started feeding them, you should be. Citrus and fruit trees, shade trees, really just about everything in your garden at this elevation should be getting a 
application of fertilizer. If we've got some rain coming in, a good time to put pre-emergent herbicides in. Um, if you're if you had a winter lawn, uh, you still have a winter lawn, you might want to kind of hold off on feeding it anymore because we do want to next month start transitioning those lawns out. So we maybe don't want to encourage it so much. If you had a dormant Bermuda lawn and you start to see a little bit of green coming up, which will be starting to happen, um, you know, you want to start feeding it. Uh, so maybe hold off on the winter lawn feeding, feed the dormant lawns that, that are starting to green up. Uh, don't thatch them yet. We want to wait till they're actively growing to do any thatching. So maybe first to middle of May before we do that. Aerification, thatching, coming up. But a lot of feeding, a lot of planting, just about plant just about anything now. Fruit trees, citrus trees, roses. You had mentioned melons, and I know a lot of those old uh, orchards, uh, citrus groves, a lot of people would plant melons in the rows between them. Yeah, right at the, right underneath the trees where they get watered and let mm-hmm. them grow out. Sure. What t- I, I want to try that this year on our citrus orchard. What yeah. time of year is it? Do I start planting watermelons, pumpkin, uh, well, cantaloupe? Too early for pumpkin, but watermelons and cantaloupes, any of the melons, you can start now. And then what time would I would I put pumpkins in? Well, if you you know you probably want to wait till July or August to do pumpkins. Oh, that late? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you could plant them now. They're just probably not going to make it through the sun. If you wanted, if you want a pumpkin for like Halloween time, then late July or early August, would, then you'd have them about right. Thank you, Mr. Harper, the farm's choice. We're transitioning now to the nine o'clock hour open lines. Anything about your house, home? Castle or Cabin, you can get online now at one 767 4348 and we'll see how many of your Arizona homeowners we can help right after top of the hour news.